Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning in verse 5 through verse 17. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends when you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want it today to pause and talk about why we exist as a church, um, why uh, what is our mission of our church to revisit that? If you've been around the vine for a while, you know that our church exists to follow Jesus together. Um, but our leadership team thinks it's time for our church to have more clarity around what does that actually mean? What does it mean that we actually are following Jesus together? You see, Jesus' Jesus's master plan of transforming the world was not to create some sort of institution or assume some political power uh, but the master plan that Jesus enacted was to invite common and ordinary people to follow him. Well before they proved anything to Jesus, before they had anything figured out, or even before they fully believed in Jesus, Jesus invited them to follow him, and that invitation came uh, to them. So why would Jesus choose this strategy? Why would this be the way in which God would seek to transform this world. Well, it, it actually wasn't something that Jesus created. Jesus was uh, fitting into a mold or a model for his day. It was that of being a rabbi. Now, the word rabbi uh, means that he, uh, he was acting like a religious teacher or leader in that time and in ancient Israel. And a rabbi would select followers known as uh, his disciples, and these disciples would spend their days with their rabbi, sitting at, um, at their feet, learning from them, watching how the, the rabbi lived. 
But what made Jesus unique, though, was that he was, he was a different kind of rabbi. He chose the least likely people to follow him. He didn't go to the, the best of the best, the most promising people to be his disciples. He chose the least likely. They were commoners, fishermen, farmers, even a tax collector was a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus had these disciples, and then he started leading them. He railed against the power structure and elitism that happened within religious leaders of that time. He traveled like a poor wanderer. He took his message and his ministry especially to the poor, the outcast, the overlooked, those who were desperate, those who were hungry and thirsty for mercy. Jesus went for them, those people who seemed to be shackled by shame and by sin. And Jesus changed their lives. Jesus changed communities. And all along the way, the disciples were at Jesus' side, watching, listening, learning. We don't hear that word disciple much nowadays, do you? Uh, oftentimes, if you were to look at the word disciple, it would be translated nowadays to student, which is not all that helpful, right? Because we bring with that idea of being a student, uh, we bring in our, 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 our understanding of academics and education or lack thereof, and we imagine Jesus as some, uh, some cardigan-wearing professor, you're like teaching these different things, and Jesus was so, so much more than that. Perhaps a more relevant modern-day translation for disciple, maybe a different way for us to look at the word disciple, the role of disciple, is that of an apprentice. An apprentice learns a skill done by a master craftsman. They begin by watching how a craft is done. What are the, the, the master craftsman habits? What, what tools are they using? How do they use them? And then slowly as this apprentice is watching, as slowly and surely the apprentice begins to be entrusted to do the work themselves, always under the careful attention of that master craftsman. And then one day, many years later, the apprentice is then sent out to continue that craft underneath the name of that master craftsman now given to that apprentice. So Jesus was like a master craftsman. He was showing his disciples his craft. And what was the craft that Jesus displayed? Jesus displayed the power of God's love. Jesus displayed how powerful God's love would be when people encounter it for real. That was Jesus' master craft, a type of love that met people where they were and never left them there, a kind, a kind of love that was full of grace and truth, that was bold and gentle. It was completely just and yet merciful. That was Jesus' craft was displaying that kind of love. Something I, I have discovered recently in looking at a, the role of a, a disciple or apprentice to their master was their role pretty much focused on three different things, three very simple goals. The first was to be with your rabbi. The second was to become like your rabbi. And the third was to do what they did. Perhaps... That's how we should continue to see our goals as apprentices of Jesus.
to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. What if that still is the goal of the apprentices and the followers of Jesus today? What if that is what we are called to be and to do? For us, for you and me, our calling as followers of Jesus simply comes down to a life being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. So we're going to spend the next several weeks doing deep dives into these three different areas We've created a whole website with a series of sites that have resources designed for us. But today, we just want to have an overview. We just want to take a look at kind of a step back and really consider how this could change our lives and change our communities. It first begins by being with Jesus. Our fundamental task, our foundational calling as people who are following Jesus is to first and foremost to be with Jesus. Before we are called to do anything, become anything, our spiritual life begins by being with him. This is not only our calling, but this is also God's passion for you. God is passionate that you would to experience a life of being with him. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible displays this passion of God. Most clearly, I think about it in, in Luke chapter 15, uh, some, some other rabbis at that time were watching how Jesus lived, and he, they began to question why Jesus spent time with certain people, the people that rabbis usually don't spend time with. And Jesus, in his response, he slipped into a storytelling mode. And he told three different stories, all similar to each other. And these were the stories. They were about things that were precious, things that were treasured, things that were valuable, but they had all been lost. And Jesus tells them about a story about a lost sheep and a lost coin and lastly, a lost child. And all these stories are, were about the great lengths in which uh, someone went to go and rescue that which was lost. Their mission to seek and save that was lost. And Jesus is using these stories as a picture of this is why I am here. I have a radical, compelled love to seek to rescue that which was lost, to take back which was mine. This is the passion that Jesus has, is that you and I were to be with him. And so this is our calling as followers of Jesus. It begins by us having a life being with Jesus. As we heard in our scripture reading earlier, John 15, John 15, 4 says this. Jesus is talking to his his followers, his disciples. And Jesus says this, a commandment, by the way. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The fundamental calling as followers of Jesus is to remain with Jesus, to stay connected to him, to be with him. And so how do we remain with Jesus? What does that look like for us to practice remaining with Jesus? Well, there are certain habits that when we make them a priority in our life, they help us to remain connected to Jesus. Practices like prayer, practices like meditation upon Scripture and keeping the Sabbath. These are practices when um, they become habits, they help us to remain 
to abide in Jesus. Again, more on this in two weeks. But we are called to be with Jesus, but we're also called to become like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus, that, doesn't that feel like a stretch to anyone? I'm like, me becoming like Jesus, really? Does anyone else feel pretty far from that? Um, do you know what happens when you spend a lot of time with someone? You, you just kind of like soak up who they are. Um, you might pick up on their mannerisms, their vocabulary, their cadence. Do you know this, right? Like you see an old couple that's been together for a really long time, and they almost start looking like each other. You're welcome, Jen. Um, and uh, it's just what happens when we spend time with people, we have a tendency to become like them. I remember in middle school, there's three of us guys, we were pretty inseparable. Uh, the fun thing was that two of us had a really severe stuttering problem. Guys, the conversations were unbelievable. Just invigorating conversations. Try to keep up. Uh, the weirdest thing, though, is after a while, this third friend, Ethan, anyone have any guess what happened to him? He started stuttering. Like, he started stuttering. Like, well, after, like, I started growing out of it, I would talk to Ethan and go, Ethan, dude, time to shake it loose. But he had, like, picked it up. He became like Reuben and I. Just because of the fact that we spent time together, we, we were connected together, uh, and uh, there's something that happens when you have been with someone for a long time. You have a tendency to become like them, and it was unfortunate for Ethan, but for you and I in our relationship with Jesus, that is a good thing. That is our hope. As we spend time with Jesus, slowly over time, we become more and more like the one who has saved us, like the one who's shown us what is good. <coughs> Excuse me. As we have heard um, in that passage in John 15, uh, Jesus has called us to uh, abide with him, to, to be with him, to stay connected to him, so that we bear fruit. Our calling is that we remain connected to Jesus so that we can bear fruit in our life. We can produce fruit. Paul would later on pick up on that imagery and talk about what does it look like when we've been with Jesus after a while? What will happen in us? And Paul in Galatians 5 said this, But the fruit of the Spirit, when we've been connected to the vine long enough, when we start producing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love. It's joy. It's peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against these things, there's no such law. What Paul is saying is when we have stayed connected to the vine, Jesus, when we have remained in Jesus long enough, there's fruit that will, will start popping out of our life and our character and who we are. This fruit that displays that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And like you know, becoming like Jesus does not happen overnight. It's not automatic. There's no uh, spiritual microwave we get to, to get into, and then all of a sudden, fruit starts coming. It comes with an abiding, intentional relationship with Jesus. Instead, when we live with Jesus and learn the practices that Jesus demonstrated, they help us grow through Christ's presence. Jesus demonstrated habits that when we enact in our life, slowly and almost like without being able to be perceived, we are becoming more and more 
like him. So to help us become like Jesus, we need practices. We like, like us observing our master craftsmen, we need to learn how this person does the craft. And so we need practices like keeping relationships of significance, having intentional relationships with each other, because we believe that it's in those relationships that God forms us and shapes us. Practices like simplicity and fasting. As Jesus chose to live like that, when we practice simplicity and fasting, we are put in the place where we become more and more like Jesus. Also, practices where we are knowing ourselves more fully, our, our giftings, we're doing the hard work of, of seeking inner healing. When we live these practices out, when we live them out together, our we will position ourselves in a place where Christ will make us more and more like Jesus. But you might ask, um, so how, 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 what's the power of these habits? How will these practices shape us and form us? Well, the reality is there's nothing special about them. There's an ancient illustration that, that's used within the Christian tradition that I think is so helpful. Habits are like sails for a ship. A sail in and of itself cannot move a ship, but the sail relies on the force from the wind. And anyone who's sailed knows that the wind shows up when the wind shows up. You cannot control it. You cannot tell it when to show up. But the sailor, when they're intentional, can partner with the force of the wind so that when the wind blows, you move further into the journey, into the journey that you have planned. So it is with these habits. And these habits, that when we have them in our life, there's nothing in us that can make us more like Jesus. There's like no like amount of like mustering and strength and trying harder that will make us more like Jesus. But God wants to see you grow. God wants the, the fruit of living life with him to be produced in your life. And so God will send the winds of transformation to our life. But if we do not have habits and practices in place, that wind blows right past us. So we open up the sails to his power so that God can move us more and more into his likeness. These habits are like the sails that God uses to grow us and form us. So God wants us to become more like Jesus. That's God's desire. But the life with Jesus does not just end there. We must move beyond being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. We must seek to do what Jesus did. Back to John 15, Jesus said, uh, after talking about the vine and the branches, Jesus said this, this calling to remain in my love. Jesus is saying, guys, remain in my love. I've, I've told you to remain in me, but now I want to say remain in my love. And the question is, so how do we do that? How do we remain in your love, Jesus? In verse 10, if you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. In other words, if you want to remain in my love, do what I have done. Follow me. Do what I have done. Jesus is saying, I don't believe Jesus is saying you, you have the, when you don't follow my commands, you lose your salvation. But it's like uh, an extension cord that's not plugged into the wall. When we are not remaining uh, in Jesus, by doing what he did, we are disconnected from the power source in our life. We, uh, Jesus is using the serious language to, to try to call us to something. 
a life of following me is not, just don't worship me. Worship is good, but that's not complete. You must follow me by doing what I have done. It's, I, I, to be honest, when I first read this, I don't like this, the way this sounds. It feels like conditional love, right? It feels like, oh, just, you just gave me a duty. Uh, if that if I want to remain in your love, I have to be dutiful and, and just do everything right and be moral and good. But I, I'm set free by seeing what is the commandment that Jesus is calling us to do? What, is that, what does it mean for us to keep my commands? Well, Jesus said it the very next verse in verse 12. My command is this. My command is this. To love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The commandment of Jesus is to love. It's to love. A type of love that we see that Jesus did. Remember his master craft? When we follow in Jesus and doing what he did, we continue that craft by loving well, by displaying the power of God's love. You know, we have the tendency to make the religious life so cumbersome and complicated, but ultimately the test of whether or not we are following Jesus is the evidence of love. When we step out of connection with Jesus, it's because we have not practiced love. The journey, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the journey with Jesus does not end with you and me. It doesn't end with you and me. We spend time with Jesus, we become more like Jesus so that we can bring that presence of Jesus into the very needs of this world. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by, by watching how they spend their time, who are they most commonly seen with, where are they found. And as followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, they saw Jesus serving in the margin, caring for those who were overlooked and chastised, speaking words of hope to those without hope, sharing meals with people you never associate with. So we, as a church, we believe that we should continue to do what Jesus did. So we're going to pick up practices of Jesus in doing what he did, namely seeking to serve in the margin, speak words of blessing and invitation to people, and to use the table to be a place of grace and hospitality. Those are the practices that we are going to seek to do in following the example of Jesus. In each of, these, in each of these areas of following Jesus, they're all so needed. When you kind of zoom back out, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, we need all of these areas. It feels like the temptation for a lot of different communities and people is to master in one of them, maybe two of them a little bit, but completely ignore another. So there are communities and people that just focus on being with Jesus. Uh, they take seriously this life of, of the, uh, being a, a contemplative life with God, of learning prayer practices and meditating on Scripture. And, you know, like you, you look at that with the, the monastic community. Um, and they focused on that, but oftentimes they retreated from the world. They, did, they were no longer accessible to this world and became really focused on this just personal relationship of just me and Jesus and everything else is noise. But that's not a complete picture. We also know communities that maybe take very seriously becoming like Jesus, 
Maybe they focus on spiritual practices like this. Maybe uh, they are really uh, interested in knowing who they are. Like they love to talk about the Enneagram, right? Oh, I'm such a mystery. Let me tell you about myself. I'm like a seven wing six, but I also kind of, sometimes I trip into a three a little bit and everyone else is like, I could care less. I don't really, you're not a mystery to me, you know? Um, or, you know, communities like that or uh, focus on spiritual gifts and uh, just, they love to explore the uniqueness of me, right? And oftentimes if we become just so fixated on that area, we forget that the spiritual life is more than just about me. And I'm a big fan of the Enneagram. Y'all know this. We're going to have a workshop in October. Like we are, we're a big believer in it. But that is not the spiritual life in and of itself. We're, uh, we, we replace uh, the calling that we have to follow Jesus fully by being really interested in following who I am. We need to be moved outside of ourselves as well. But we also know communities that are focused on doing what Jesus did. Social justice and fighting for the oppressed are of the utmost importance to these communities. Uh, so you will find them in the soup kitchen. You will find them serving in the border or at a local nonprofit. But oftentimes they have lost grip on the reality that God also just wants to be with them. It's like this, you replace serving, uh, serving God and no longer knowing God. So I believe that the, what it means for us to be apprentices of Jesus is by living with all three areas. And the amazing thing is, when we live with all three areas, something happens, like in any good Venn diagram, something happens right here. When we are people who are living life connected to Jesus, we are exploring who we are and the gifts and the purposes we have, and we are seeking to make our faith known and visible in word and deed right here. This is the place of spiritual vibrancy. This is the place where we get to walk out in the authority and the power that God's given us. Um, using my charismatic vocabulary, this is when we start walking in the Spirit. When all of a sudden that fruit of knowing and following Jesus starts popping out and blessing other people. So uh, I'm just curious, which of these three do you have a tendency to lean towards? Like just... If you could just take a moment, just which of these three are you more, more curious with, you spend time thinking about more? Can you identify one? And almost like just as important to identify is which of these do you completely neglect? Which one is the one will be the one that you'll hide from the most? Is it spending time just being with Jesus is it not doing the hard work of looking inside of just thinking like, how does God want to heal me and make me whole? And Man, maybe I should walk back with, with God in my past and seek healing. Or maybe it's, I, I really don't like stepping into the mess of this world. I like my life really manageable. And when I step into this, this is, it just feels really vulnerable to speak words of blessing to people and kind of out myself as a Christian or to serve in the margin where it just gets messy. No, 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 I'd rather, I'd rather just be me, me and my Bible. I'd rather just be an intentional relationship. Which of those areas do you neglect? 
I believe this is, in all three areas, is where God wants to form us and shape us. When we have all of these areas are activated, I just don't see following Jesus wholeheartedly with just two of them at work. I really do see a holistic transformation happening when we are being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. You know, one day, Jesus' followers, his disciples, they started having some doubts. It was bubbling up. And Thomas, he was usually the one who felt uh, comfortable expressing doubt. I love Thomas because I think doubt's something that's a part of the spiritual life. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to bring your doubt to Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going anymore. We don't get it. We're, we don't know where you're going. So how, how are we going to know the way? It's not, seeming, it's not seeming clear anymore. And then Jesus replied to Thomas and said the famous words, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Reflecting on that declaration, Eugene Peterson, who's a pastor and author, he shared that far too often the people that he knows in his own temptation, they will put much attention on the truth of Jesus and neglect the way of Jesus. Put very little weight on the way in which Jesus has taught us to live. But very little attention on looking at how Jesus lived and, and believing that this is the way in which we uh, come to know what it means to be human, to know God. And this is what Peter said, is quoted saying about that. His conviction, it is the way of Jesus wedded to the truth of Jesus that brings about the life of Jesus. It's, Jesus is not only true, he does not only gives us access to the Father, but he shows us how to live life to the fullest. So as a church, I believe it's time for us to enter into a season where we honestly look at our life together, like our communal life as well as individually, and really ask if we believe in the way of Jesus. Like, do you truly believe in the way of Jesus? Do you believe that if we follow Jesus' life and habits that we will experience the fullness of life? So in the following weeks, we're going to explore these practices and how we seek to follow Jesus together. We're going to just do what we've always done as a church. We're going to seek to follow Jesus together. But we want to make sure that our lives are actually displaying that more and more. Because Jesus comes to us, common, ordinary people like he always has, and invites us on this journey to know, to follow him, to learn his master craft. I don't believe that God has done displaying the power of his love in this world. And God has chosen you to do that. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did.